for breakfast most days? On most days, I have some version of eggs alongside of some version of vegetables. What's your favorite go-to snack? I'd have to say a meat stick just because it's easy, it's quick, it's portable. What's your favorite takeout food? I think it's always going to be Thai now because it's really easy to get gluten-free. It's like the only gluten-free takeout. What's your top three pantry ingredients? My top three are curry paste, olives, and coconut butter. And what's a kitchen gadget you just can't live without? A garlic twist, which is this contraption, this round contraption with prongs in it, and you throw your garlic bulbs into it, and you just twist it up, and it it minces it for you. Hey, Tedra. Hi, Tade. So today we're chatting with Michelle Smith. She's the creator of the popular blog, The Whole Smiths, and she recently published her very first cookbook that's Whole30 endorsed. The Whole Smiths is a food blog focused on real, minimally processed, nutrient-dense foods and modern-day family life. Becoming a mom lit a fire in her to start seriously paying attention to the foods she and her family were eating. Ultimately, she landed on a paleo lifestyle and later completed her first Whole30. After seeing significant health improvements, she's been inspired to share all she's learned with us. And then one night, she was sitting on the sofa with her husband, and she just simply declared, I'm starting a food blog, and one day I'll have a cookbook. Michelle's super down-to-earth and authentic. She's a wife and mama of two beautiful girls living in San Francisco Bay Area. Her Instagram stories are upbeat and really fun. Her blog is an awesome resource filled with tons of gorgeous whole food recipes and Whole30 tools. Michelle's passionate about the food we eat, and she wants everyone to know that eating wholesome doesn't have to be boring and pretentious. So Tedra, real quick, tell everybody about our very first podcast giveaway. Yeah, so what we're doing is our first podcast giveaway of Michelle's new cookbook, The Whole Smith's Good Food Cookbook. To enter, simply give us a written review on iTunes. You can do that on your podcast app on your iPhone or on iTunes online. Same goes for Android users. So what you'll do is take a screenshot of your written review and just simply email it to us at podcast at we get to know. The giveaway will end midnight, October 10th, 2018, and we'll email the lucky winner. So good luck, everybody. If you forget any of these details, they'll be in our show notes on our website. You're listening to the We Get to Know podcast. And for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring bloggers and social media influencers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite influencers is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Michelle. So hey, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to talk to you. I can remember about two years ago, I was like a week into my first Whole30 and, you know, researching recipes. And I think I just discovered Whole30 recipes and it was either on the takeover or your site, but it was the your paleo wedge salad. And it was the first time I realized I could have like a legal Whole30 ranch and blew my mind. So delicious. My family's still addicted to it. I think once you realize you can have ranch, it's kind of life changing on it because you can put yes. it. <laughs> you just want something like fatty and creamy and delicious and ranch hits the spot. Yeah, it's like, I can't throw cheese on it, I'll throw ranch on it. Boom, exactly. (laughs) So, okay, Michelle, so tell us, where are you originally from and what you do in school? And like, kind of give me your backstory a little bit. So I am California girl through and through. I was born in Southern California. My family moved up to Northern California, right here in the Bay Area, which is where I grew up for the most part. And then I went back down to Southern California for college at UC Irvine. And I studied 
international studies, which is has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. And after college, I moved back up. I got in the corporate world doing sales, business development. I worked for some really cool startups when I was living in San Francisco. And then the economy tanked and I realized startups are probably not the best place to be working. You know, from there, I went back into sales and had my first daughter and I just was not into it. Like, I mean, I was into having my daughter. <laughs> I just was not you feeling the business side of it. <laughs> no, and it's just, you know, if it had it been something I was really passionate about and felt like was, you know, evolving our lives and making us better, it would have been one thing. But I decided to stay home with her and figure out what I wanted to do. And I've always had this really entrepreneurial mindset, which is why I think I liked working at startups. And when I quit, I I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew it was going to be something for myself. Did you have like an original goal? Like, were you thinking, you know, dream job at that point in college or right after college that you had always been working towards or not so much? No, I was just kind of that typical liberal arts, like, hey, I'm getting my degree. I don't really have a passion at this point, but I'm told I need to get my degree. So (laughs) I'll figure it out. (laughs) I'll figure it out. And then truthfully, by the time I graduated, I had student loans to pay and I just wanted to make money and I didn't want to be in debt. I didn't want to live like that. So I think that's why I went into sales because I liked that I wasn't going to be told how much I could make based on my age or, you know, because I was entry level. So I think that was a bigger motivation for me than following a passion. But that caught up with me at some point because once you do get that financial stability, you look around and see, well, what else is there? Yeah, it's so true. It's like it drives you for a while until you have it. And then you have it and you're kind of like, well, <laughs> no, there's got to be more <laughs> to yeah. life than, oh, yeah. Yeah, than I can afford things that I like. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So after my daughter was born, I remember we did, you know, everyone does their newborn photos and we paid an arm and a leg for it. It was not cheap. And I remember sitting there watching the woman take photos. I'm like, I can do this. Like I can teach myself this. And so I started doing photography. I mean, I just taught myself from YouTube how to do it. And from there I started doing like family photos, but I quickly realized I was just because I needed something of my own. Like I crave that as much as I love being a mom, I need my own business. I need my own creative outlet. And so I realized quickly that this creative outlet was, that, that was supposed to be away from my kids and my screaming kids and family was photographing other people's screaming kids. <laughs> right, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. Right? I'm like, wow, this is not, this uh-huh. is This is Why not- does my head still hurt at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. I've always been a foodie. I've always loved food forever. That's kind of, I've always been into food. So I started doing food photography and focusing on food. And I did it for, you know, local restaurants, local publications, stuff like that. And then... Yeah, I was just going to say, like, how do you do that? How do you get into that? Seems cool. Yeah. So I think for me, my sales background was really helpful with that. And with what I'm doing now, I just, I feel like it's always, I always process things from a business perspective. So I had no problem reaching out to businesses and just saying, hey, this is what I do. I would love to come in, help you out. And the first few ones I did for free because I just wanted to build up my portfolio and local restaurants, no other local restaurants. And so that kind of just built from there. 
So what I'm curious about is this stage, how you got from that stage, you have a child, you're doing the photography. I'm wondering, I know you end up as a blogger, but was there something diet-wise, physical, like were you having any problems, physically speaking, that motivated you to change your diet? How did that whole aspect of your life come into play? Yeah, so part of it was having kids. I think nowadays, when you have kids, they scare the crud out of you. Like everything you're doing is on display. Like don't give them a pacifier. You're going to do this. Oh my word. Yes. Like especially (laughs) your first kid too, right? Just all the conversations are like, oh, oh, you're going to let your child sit in front of a screen. Oh, and (laughs) oh, you're not breastfeeding. Oh, it's just golly. And social media just amplifies that so much. So the good part that came out of that was that I really started thinking about what are we eating? Like, what what am I feeding my kid? Is she going to make it to two if she had rice? I don't know. So it forced me to really start thinking about it. And we looked at like a few different diets because I didn't know. I didn't even know what gluten-free was at that time. And I looked at being a vegan. My parents were vegan at the time. And, and when was this? Like, what year are we talking? A 2010. Okay. So she was born in 2010. And that's kind of when I really started thinking about it. So we just kind of cleaned up and started having more vegetables, but you know, we'd still have bread with dinner and all of that and have beer and nothing. We were eating healthier, but like nothing really felt different. So then fast forward a few more years, we kind of, we came across paleo and it made a lot of sense to me, not in the sense that like, Hey, I have to mimic everything our caveman ancestors did. It just seemed like a less processed way of eating. So we started doing that. And then I finally started feeling better. And so you really noticed changes physically. Totally. I was suffering from these really bad allergy attacks where I, I don't know how to explain it. I would just get these sneezing fits that would last for hours and my face would swell up. And I just, it was so embarrassing to like <laughs> around people. Pull it together, Michelle. <laughs> I know. Who wants to be around the person who like can't stop sneezing their germs? <laughs> And I had gastrointestinal issues that, you know, so many times now we're just like, oh, that's common. That's IBS. Everyone has it. You just write it off. Right. Um, but I noticed some improvements with that. The allergy attacks disappeared. No matter how many tests I went for that, nobody came back with something to tell me. But changing my diet made a difference. Girl, this is this is exactly my story as well. And probably just thousands of people. I think we've a lot of people, this is speaking to a lot of people because they're all living it. Like, it's like I went in, I have gastro problems. I'm going in, they're doing all the rounds of testing. They're checking you for the allergies. You're getting your colonoscopy, blah, blah, blah. And everything's coming back negative. I mean, negative for gluten allergy, negative for gluten sensitivity. And I'm thinking, but how can that be? Because if I eat it, I feel sick. And if I don't eat it, I don't feel sick. It's very black and white. Like, it's really amazing. And then you start to feel crazy. Like, nobody's validating what I am going through. But no, I'm not making it up. Right. Like, look, I got my degree in physics. I, I, I'm, I understand science. Right? Yeah. I'm just telling you what the data says. Totally. And I, I do think that there is some arrogance within medicine. And I think it's changing yeah. that if we don't have an answer now, it doesn't exist. Versus, mm-hmm. hey, we can validate that this is something we don't have. An, we just don't have an answer for it yet. So I yeah. think that can be reversed, that kind of mentality of like, hey, I understand that this is something affecting people. We just don't have an answer versus like, no, that's not it. Right, right. Where you kind of get the, oh, there, there, you're so cute with your little ideas. But you didn't go to medical school. <laughs> but actually, my last GI dog, he was he was cool. I mean, he said, I don't know, like, whatever you're doing, if 
you know, if you're telling me the only thing you changed is diet, then that's the answer for you. So stick with it. And so it was cool to at least hear a doctor say that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand in hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical grade and medically endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. Now, when you say you went paleo, had you done a Whole30? Like, did you start with Whole30 or did you discover Whole30 later? I discovered Whole30 later. So I started with paleo and had good results from that. And I felt great. I felt like I didn't need my afternoon nap, all of that. And then one night, I I remember, you know those memories that you have that are just crystal clear? For some reason, you just don't forget them. One night, I was sitting on the couch watching television with my husband and I turned to him out of nowhere and I'm like, I'm going to start a food blog. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Like I never mentioned this. Like I don't know anything about computers or tech or anything. he's like, okay. And then I turned to him again. I was like, and I'm going to have a cookbook. And (laughs) all right. And you know, who knows what was actually going through. Right. He's like, that's, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Like what are you going to do? He's like, so you just don't write about our family. I was like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I have that. I have a question about that too. Like, I'm so curious. I mean, even in my own life was, We'll get, I guess we'll get to it later, but I do want to know, like, was it, was that ever an issue or a worry about including your family? Did you always want to include your family into the social media aspect of it? Yes and no, because they're such a huge part of my life that I think it would be doing my audience a disservice to not include them at all. Because mm-hmm. I am a mom and not, you know, I feed my family and it's, not always pretty and it's not always easy. With that said, my husband at first was really hesitant on putting anything out there online and all of that. And so, you know, I assured him, I'm like, well, I'm not going to put anything that's like weird out there. It's just her uber personal, right? Yeah, exactly. And something that I, that has always resonated with me is that, you know, and Melissa Hartwig put it really well. It's like sharing something that's personal versus private. So I love that. I know it just, I, I, that's kind of something that I've always had in mind. But then when she said it, I was like, yes, that's exactly that. It really defines it. Like there really are things you shouldn't share, but then the rest of it, you need to be authentic. And it's probably why your audience has grown so substantially because of your authenticity. Which if you haven't checked Michelle out, by the way, listeners, her Instagram feed, (laughs) like your stories, you're just so real. I love it. I love following you. 
Well, it's something that's important to me. And I just, I mean, let's be honest. It's easier to be yourself than it is to try to pretend to be somebody else. And if Mm -hmm. you tap into that, you're gold. And I think that's what people want, especially on social media. like, we all crave real. We've seen enough of these like perfectly posed, Pinteresty, all white, whatever. And, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't make me feel good seeing that because I feel like it's very unrealistic for my life. Why is my life in shambles compared to this? (laughs) My desk is a mess. Right. (laughs) So I, I think it's, you know, I want people when they come to my Instagram and see my content, like I want them to feel good. I don't want it to feel like, oh, I can't do this or I'm less than this. I, I just want it to feel very attainable. I think it does too. And it's just, an, it's more of an inspiration that like, look, she's just like me. She's got two kids and yeah. she's making it happen and she has good days and bad days and we, I can do it too. And yeah, that's what I really what I take away from your feed. So let's go back. You're on the couch and you're like, listen up, hubby. <laughs> I'm going to do a vlog and I'm going to have a New York Times bestselling cookbook. Right? And so yeah, like, wow, that's amazing. Well, to back it up, I did not get New York Times with this one. Okay. But I picked up on it. It is a very sore subject. That was something I set out to do. So I was... Oh, I'm sorry I brought it up. I can't. No, no, no. You're fine. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't, obviously I can't give numbers and stuff, but I was very, very, very close. And so it's one of those things like, I wish I wouldn't have known how close it could have been. Uh, yeah, girl. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. But next one, next one. Totally. And so, yeah. So I just started blogging and I didn't tell anybody about it for like five months because A, it took me forever to figure out how Cause I don't code. I don't know a lot so, of, yeah. What did you do? Like how did you technically start a blog? So I hopped on the Google and yep. <laughs> made a lot of mistakes and, you know, found a web host, found a, you know, domain site, all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and just started doing it. So once I got the shell of it set up, I just started putting recipes out there and I didn't share it with anybody because A, I wanted some content before I was like, Hey, I started a food blog. Here's one post. <laughs> Go check out my recipe. Yeah, I've got, got a whole recipe. <laughs> so four or five months later, I decided once I had some content, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to put myself out there. Cause it's not scary if you're not sharing it with anybody, like nobody's right. there to judge you or be like, what is this? What does she think she's going to do? What are do? you doing? Roll, eye roll. <laughs> Hold, that's something. And I have to, I want to touch on so many people ask is like, how are you okay putting yourself out there knowing that mm-hmm. you know, maybe your family will see it or, or mom's a drop off or whatever. And you just have to do it. And just, if you're authentic, that's who you are. And you just have to like rip that bandaid off. I like that. Yeah. And I, I don't know, we talked to a lot of the guests about it, but I think it is hard in the beginning. A lot of people have a similar story. Like it was hard in the beginning. And then, and then as you learn and are committed to being authentic to who you are, it's sort of just natural. Like at some point it just becomes natural and, and everybody just gets used to it and enjoys it. So I think the key is what you're saying. Just keep it authentic. Keep it real. Yeah. And you know what else I realized was, I don't think I realized when I started this, what a growth opportunity it would be for me personally. Mm. Kind of touching. I mean, what were you thinking? Like, did you, this has to have been a surprise that it went so viral. You know, or maybe it wasn't. <laughs> You're a big dreamer. No, I think I'm a big dreamer. And I don't think I shared it with anybody that 
I really want a successful cookbook one day. Not like I just want to put out a cookbook. Like I want a real, like legit successful career out of this because I think it just goes back to that people putting yourself out there is scary and putting your dreams out there and putting what you want out there is scary. But in my mind, that's what I was living was like, this is where I want to get to. Quitting was never an option for me. I think once you remove that from everything, you just have no choice but to move forward. And so it always was kind of where I wanted to get with it. And how was the growth? Like, was it gradual? Did you have some overnight successes? It was gradual. I mean, it's been a steady four, four and a half years. This last year, things have popped a little bit more, I think, because of the book and the exposure from that. So that's helped. But I remember back when I first hit 500 followers, I was so excited (laughs) and I was like, oh, OMG, I need to do this giveaway. I am at 500 followers. (laughs) I went out and bought all this stuff from like anthropology, my favorite food stuff. I spent so much money on anthropology for this giveaway, but I was so excited. And it's funny because like that, that milestone means just as much, if not more to me than hitting a hundred thousand followers, because it's just that effort was there. And that consideration and that care was just the same then as it is now. For me, my audience has grown substantially. And while I appreciate it, those numbers are still metrics to me. I don't get this ego bump of like, Oh, I've got all these followers. Like For me, it's a metric that my content is resonating with people and I appreciate that. And that's how I look at it. And that's how I looked at it then. And that's how I look at it now. Love it. Okay. So let's go back. I want to hear about your first Whole30 and then I want to talk to you about the cookbook. But tell me about how and why you decided to do your first Whole30 and how that affected your life. Yeah. So I had finally just started the blog and was getting into this Instagram world and Whole30 kept popping up. And my first instinct was like, wow, cool. This seems like a really cool program. I can clean my stuff up even more. I'm already doing paleo. This is going to be so easy. It was not. (laughs) (laughs) So easy. Whole 30. (laughs) Totally. I got this. I'm doing paleo. And so I didn't complete my first one. And then the second one I did, and I had still been eating some gluten in my diet and it was, I was paleo, but I wasn't super, super strict. It was probably like 80, 20, 70, 30. But with Whole30, after I finished, I realized I was having a really severe reaction to gluten, but I didn't realize it was gluten at first. I just thought I was getting sick. I thought there was just something wrong with me. I always say, if you imagine your worst hangover lasting for like three days. That's how I would feel. I'd get these rashes on my, up my legs. And so it took me four or five times of getting sick before I would really realized, wow, this is gluten. And so in the meantime, I had gone and gotten a colonoscopy and endoscopy and all of that fun stuff. They couldn't tell me anything. They said there was some mild irritation, but you know, I'd already stopped eating gluten that if I wanted to have a real test for it, I'd have to eat it for six weeks. And at that point, there's no way. I was already off of gluten and doing well without it. And so fortunately, Whole30 really made me kind of start peeling back more layers of what's not serving my body, what's chronic inflammation versus this acute inflammation and all of that. And so I just really like the program. I think it's a great way for people to really just start thinking about what and why they're eating the way they are. Mm-hmm, totally agree. And did you find 
like I've experienced this in my own life. They diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis when I was like out of my first colonoscopy. So that's been a bummer. But on the upside, Whole30 and grain-free and dairy-free living has just completely healed my gut. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's amazing. (laughs) But I find the hard part is like, I go back and forth still, like even though I know without a shadow of a doubt, I mean, it's two years in now, I really know. But I, in the beginning, I felt like I knew gluten was a problem. I felt like I, I, I guess dairy is a problem. I guess I really can't have dairy. Like, did you have, did you struggle with that at all? And like really going back and forth and figuring out, okay, I really have to eat this way forever type deal. Kind of, a little bit more so with the dairy. The, the gluten was just so... I was just getting so horrendously sick that it just was not even worth it for me. Like I started getting anxiety that I was going to accidentally be glutened because it would, I was so sick. Like I, Brad would have to stay mm-hmm. home from work to like help with the kids because I couldn't even get out of bed. So the gluten, I don't care. I think it was the universe's way of like also cementing me into this mission of like better foods. Like, no, you can never go back to a donut. Like you were on this path. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 100% okay. now. Dairy, I realized because that I think is what was causing my allergies because that's what I really noticed when I dropped the dairy is when I don't get that phlegmy grossness and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that maybe that's TMI. Puffiness. <laughs> yeah, that bloatedness, just that general inflammation. So I still do have some dairy. It's just not in the quantities that I had before. Like before my quote healthy breakfasts back in my 20s would be like a latte a non-fat latte and a bagel and cream cheese and then lunch would be some sort of giant sandwich and dinner would be pasta or what all these things that we know are like whole grain and healthy for you but no one's really feeling great on it mm-hmm So once I kind of swapped those things out, so the majority of my food now is healthy proteins and vegetables with a smattering of dairy or sugar or grains versus the majority being grains and dairy and everything. So just kind of this inverse relationship now. Yeah, I I feel the same way. And I I was reading somewhere on your blog, I think, (laughs) maybe it was Instagram, but I read somewhere you said, that the harder part for you was not so much, you know, when you're on Whole30, it's very black and white, but it was more about like creating the recipes and the foods that you could eat during that food freedom time, like during the times when you're not on Whole30. And a lot of your recipes are so perfect for that in-between time. That's what I love. Not to mention your sweet potato hash situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's it is. I think, and I think Melissa obviously would agree, is like Whole30 is great for 30 days, but not for the rest of our lives because that that's hard to stick by for the rest of your life. Some people are going to find that they have to just based on reactions, but filling in that gray area of, Hey, I never want to go back to what I was eating before, but I'm also not going to move forward with whole 30 for the rest of my life. Where is that happy medium? And so I think that lends itself to like reversing how you used to be eating food and approaching food and having less than it's like flipping the, that food pyramid upside down. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about the cookbook. Okay. So where do you want to start? Well, <laughs> I'll let you tell everybody about it. Yeah. So as I talked about this, having a cookbook was a goal of mine from the beginning of this entire journey. 
And it was something I was leading up to. I made a couple of eBooks on my own that I sold through my site and Instagram because I wanted to use those to be able to take to a publisher and be like, Hey, look what I did on my own. Don't you want to work with me? What if we do together? You know, so I put those out and I got, you know, I kind of started lining things up because I also know two publishers look for a significant social media audience now because they want to know you have built in customers. So it wasn't something I could start off right out the gate, but I was strategic and growing my audience and timing, just timing on when I wanted to approach publishers. And so there's one publisher that I guess I kind of looked at as this gateway into paleo and healthy eating. And I just kind of thought, you know, if I could get my foot in the door with them, then I'm, I'm in and this would be great. And so I actually ended up having a conversation with them and they were interested in talking. And after that conversation, I was so bummed. It was just intuitively, I knew it wasn't the right fit. I didn't Mm, really, yeah, I was, I, I was just devastated. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this was my plan. Now I don't know what to do. And, but it was like, as soon as I got off that phone, I just knew like, it just wasn't an energetic fit. I wasn't happy with what I felt that they kind of wanted to move forward doing. I just knew then. I just knew. I mean, yeah. So maybe it was good. It was negative enough that you were able to sort of like clearly walk away and go in a different direction. Totally. And I, I, as soon as I got off my, the phone, my husband, you know, he was obviously knows how excited I was. And I was like, it's, it's not going to happen. I was like, I don't think this is, this is, this is it. Mm. Like, okay. You know, he's like, you don't know that. And he's, you know, such a cheerleader, but, but I just kind of was like such a bummer. Cause I'm like, okay, well now what? And I had this kind of lull of a couple weeks of not necessarily feeling sorry for myself, but just feeling like, well, what's my next move? And then I got an email from Melissa Hartwig. I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, the timing on this was all really perfect. And so... And when was all this? Almost two years ago, like maybe okay. December 2016. I think she knew I, you know, had goals of doing that. And so the email was just like, hey, you know, if we're thinking about maybe doing a joint cookbook, are you working with an agent? Maybe is this something? And it was just kind of like, not necessarily vague, but just very like, hey, maybe we want to dance. Let's talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> let's have a chat. So I wrote back an email. I was like, no, I was actually, you know, just starting this process and would love to, you know, I, I played it very cool. I think, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, well, if that were me on the inside, I'd be like, um, heck yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I still don't think I've told Melissa, like the minute I got that email and response back, I like slapped my computer down. And I was like dancing around the house, like <laughs> <laughs> dance party, dance party, <laughs> pull it together, pull it together. Okay. What's up, Melissa? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Best. Have a great week. <laughs> Talk to you later. But it was also like this beautiful moment of like, hey, because I get, I can get like very hippie and like universe, all of that. I'm like, wow, the universe really does have my back because that first opportunity was not right. Like I needed to walk away from that feeling really crappy to be able to be like, this is not right. And because had I signed with them, this would have never happened. And I would have, I like working with Whole30 on this cookbook and having their endorsement. It's just been amazing. And so I was so happy that that first. And it's the first ever cookbook, right? That's endorsed by Whole30. That's huge. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it just, yeah, it like prepared your heart and mind to be ready for the right fit when she came around, Melissa. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so that all worked out. And then I went into the funny thing was, is that we were just getting ready to renovate our kitchen 
at the time. And so by the time like contracts and all of that were worked out and signed and all the boring business stuff, my editor's like, okay, you ready to go? I'm like, I don't have a kitchen to cook in. It's totally torn up. And so I have to wait a couple more, like a few more weeks until this is done to even get working on it. But the day mm. the contractors left, I like pounded it out. I just went to town on my, my recipes and just kind of went from there. Okay. And then tell us, is it all Whole30? Is it paleo? What kind of recipes are we talking about? So it's basically what we were talking about is that gray area of recipes. So 75 of the recipes, maybe it was 80. It's been two months. I can't remember. <laughs> about 75% of the book is Whole30 compliant. So it's oh, wow. for your Whole30. But then the rest are ones that are great for that food freedom gray area where you're like, hey, I'm not going to go wolf down a cheesecake, but I would like a sweet treat that's not going to make me feel like junk. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And what I like is that this is actually very reflective of how we eat as a family because on the weekends, like we do have pizza and I will have like a cocktail and I love making a cocktail. Mm, A drink. (laughs) (laughs) I have one. Just kidding. (laughs) Perfect interview material. (laughs) (laughs) But during the week, like most of what we eat is whole 30. And so it's just, I think a really good balance of taking what we've know and taking the ingredients that we know that aren't serving our body and removing them from the majority of our food and replacing it with what we know is more nutrient dense, such as, you know, vegetables and good quality proteins. I was reading Dr. Gundry's book and he said something I think he said it's more important, in his opinion, what you take out than what you put in. And I feel like that's true with Whole32. Like, let's really focus on getting all the the junk out yeah. as a first priority and then figure out what you like that's good and just start eating more of that. Totally. I think that's great. And I think that's what people mm-hmm. need to hear is that you can still have regular food. And I think so much, you know, obviously there's a lot of restriction in your 30 days, but the way I look at it, it's meant to get people on real food. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest problem is to move away from all this really processed stuff and just onto just eating real food again. And I feel like it gives you, like it re-cages your brain and body connection to understand how you can feel, like the level of healthy that you can feel when everything's, like when all your food decisions are great versus regular. And then you can always go back to that. Like, well, I know if I eat that well that's when I feel great, you know, and it helps set the stage. Totally. And I always say this is you can't unlearn what you learn doing a whole 30. Exactly. You're never (laughs) going to forget that like, oh my God, dairy makes me feel like I'm six months pregnant. (laughs) That's true. You know what I mean? Like you can't unlearn that. Those aren't things you like forget. And so it's then up to you after that 30 days, what are you going to do with that knowledge? How do you want to apply it to your life? Do you want to pretend like you don't know that? Cause that's not really going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're really faced with like, now what, <laughs> now what are you going to do? <laughs> totally. Okay. So my co-host Tedra, I'm sure is chomping at the bit right now. With some follow-up questions. <laughs> I am. I am. So a couple things. One is just a comment. Your September whole 30 post you have on your website right now. It's so informative. I, if I had had that in my first whole 30, it would have been so much easier. I mean, I love the calendar, the lists, like all of it. It's so great. So if anyone's doing a Whole30, they should rush over there and check it out because 
yeah, it's basically would have made my life a lot easier. And I think that's the thing is that when people are coming from like such a processed diet, it's, it's a big change. So it's like, Hey, where, how can we make this easier? How can we make this in a, like something that you can, you know, do easily? You know, it doesn't have to be this huge upheaval of, Oh my gosh, my, my food life is over. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit about like, were you surprised by like the community aspect once you started having a community of followers on Instagram and not just that, but like peers, like, you know, other cooks or other Whole30 people or paleo people that you connected to and how those relationships developed? I think the Whole30 community is just, and I think it's a testimony to Melissa, how she leads the program, but everyone is so supportive. And I think it's so important because I, despite most of my business being on social media, I have very mixed feelings about social media because I think it's for as great as it of a tool as it can be, it can be the opposite. And I think that the people are so supportive, people are so eager to help and answer questions and share what they're doing. That when you don't have that in your everyday immediate family or friends, it's nice to see that online that there are people going through the same thing and having these same food struggles that you are. How did you end up originally getting connected with Melissa in the first place? You know, I don't even remember, to be honest. (laughs) I think that a lot of what I was eating was Whole30. I did a Whole30, I guess, posted Whole30 recipes pretty early on. I think it was like, they might have had something like 20,000 followers. And I had like a thousand or something. I don't know. But it was like way back when. I think they have a million now, over a million. And so I just you know, I just shared my stuff on there and then they would have campaigns or they would be like, Hey, do you have any Halloween recipes? And I would send them some. And it was just like a very nice partnership and a very nice Mm -hmm. exchange. Yeah. It sounds like sort of natural and organic in the beginning when it was like probably like easier and smaller to where you could sort of develop those relationships a little bit quicker. Yeah, Cause I imagine I've been getting that email from Melissa I mean, there's a lot of people that she could have chosen. The fact that she chose you, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, I mean, it says a lot about what you're doing and her belief in your work and your food. And obviously it's a payoff for all the hard work you've done too. Yeah. And I, at my, I had a launch party when my cookbook came out and Melissa was there and she kind of explained why. And I just, I cried and I cried when she announced it on her social media on why. And it was just, I have so much deep gratitude for her and how she also lifts people up and recognizes that. And so I just, I don't know. There's still this part of me that's like, why me? Why? <laughs> well earned, well earned for sure. So how was it like, just even just a little detail about the book, but how was it choosing your cover shot? I mean, I love the roasted vegetables yeah. and it's simple, but it's so pretty and bright. Like, how did you choose it? Well, I didn't totally choose it. <laughs> I think my editor had some ideas in mind. And so we actually went through a few different ones. And I think we wanted to stick with some vegetables and have it just feel very cool 30 and go from there. So I actually shot that cover and then created the recipe from the cover because it was not originally going to be a recipe in the book. So I was like, okay, well, maybe if we did some like root vegetables that were all kind of mixed up and bright and colorful And so I actually shot it and then created the recipe to match it. Well, sometimes you work backwards. It works just fine. Yeah. Thinking back now, how you were saying you were sitting on the sofa with your husband and you're like, I think I want to start a blog, you know, a food blog. I mean, like, what does he think now? I mean, that's like 
crazy, like how you can sit on your sofa and just have this idea. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, would you have ever dreamed, you know, years ago that this was the way it would be? No. no. Okay. You guys, this is a funny story. So first off in answer, he's like so excited. And I think there's not much that I say now that he doesn't like put reality to. If I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. And he's like, all right, I'm sure you are like, that's cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. whatever it is now, it's just like, I feel like I'm very good at manifesting things and making it happen. And he's gotten used to that. So we used to, this was way back in the day. I think it was like right after my daughter was born, we used to watch food network star all the time. Mm-hmm. That was like our jam. And so I would drive him bananas because I would, and this is before any cookbook, talk, like a couple years, like probably three or four years before the cookbook talk. I would make him pause it and I'd be like, I would say my own demo or like my own, like whatever their challenge was. I'd be like, Hey, I'm Michelle, blah, blah, blah. And I'm making this banana bread. And he'd be like, Oh my gosh, do you have to do this for every single one? I'm like, yeah. Practice. You knew what you were doing. (laughs) But like totally unbeknownst to either of us. And I love to say, I'm like, cause it would be like this thing. And then I think I would just start doing it to like, try to make him laugh and like drive him a you know, like sometimes to be a little annoying still like, and so I always say now, I'm like, oh my gosh, looking back then, would you have ever guessed that like, this would be like my reality now? And we just laugh every time. I just love that. I mean, I love that fact that it just gives hope to people out there who are, have a dream or maybe just an idea. And, you know, they put the work behind it, they start and they just keep going. And then I mean, it's just evidence of what can happen. That's it. It's like, just don't quit because you know what? Most of the people that don't make it, it's because they quit. That is such good advice. Yeah. You quit and it's like, oh my gosh, this didn't take off right away. And you quit because that's kind of what you think is like, okay, well I failed at it, but it's just, honestly, it's that, what is it? Like 90% of it is showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep going and believe in yourself because if you don't, nobody else will. What's one or two great tips you could share with the listeners? Well, I will say don't give up on yourself. That is one going back is like, just don't even put reality of like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work, whatever. Like, don't pay attention to that. Just move forward. Just keep moving forward. If something doesn't work, trust yourself. You're smart enough to figure it out that you'll figure out how to make it work. I always think like during the Olympics, you know, I always think like the fastest swimmer has never even swam or the fastest runner has never even ran. Like if you don't try something, like you'll never know if you'll succeed in it because the truth of the matter is most of us don't run competitively or swim competitively or high jump, you know, but like the best people in the world, like never even attempted it. You know, that's always such a fascinating thing in my, you know, thought process. I thought that exact same thing. I'm like, because you see these athletes, I'm like, what about the person who just, you know what, maybe didn't, grow up with a stable family environment. They never had the opportunity to spend all their time running. I've thought that exact same thing. Okay, well, if we call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? Probably checking my email before I go to yoga or Pilates or bar. So I drop the kids off, I come home, then my classes usually start at 9 or 9.30. So try and get a little bit of work in and then go work out. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? I don't know if it's surprising that I'm a little OCD. Like not on big things, but like little tiny things that like the little details are like 
kill me. How do you like to decompress? Well, there's a foot massage place in town that is like my ultimate, like if I'm stressed and it's like for an hour, it's like 20 or 30 bucks. <laughs> Heaven. I know. I'm like, I feel like that's like therapy for me to just go and just like zone out and let my mind just completely empty out. Who are three people you'd love to follow on Instagram? Oh, I have some new ones I want to share. So yeah. they're not even necessarily food related. One is this woman and she's in, in Atlanta right now, Heather McMahon. That's her handle. She is hysterical. She is so funny. I don't know. Somebody, one of my followers suggested I follow her. They're like, we think you're funny, but you, you know, you, you would really like her. She's funny too. And I'm like, okay. And I, from the moment I started watching her stories, I'm hooked. And so there's another Instagrammer that I recently started following. She's in LA. She, I think she does catering, but she's really funny. I I like funny because when I go online, I want to be entertained and I want it to feel good and walk away from it feeling good. Her name's Alex T. Cooks, I think is her handle. And she's funny. She's in food. And then I also love following Danica Brysha. I just think she's so inspirational and so genuine and real. And I think that she's just really nailed into things that she's really identified what's kind of bringing us down as a society and what we need more of. And I think the way that she shares her content is just very uplifting. Yeah, I agree. I know I know of Danica and I follow her too. And I noticed that you did a little like partnership with her or a recipe for her model foods, something like that, right? Yeah. Well, so I did something with, they did, cause they actually founded National Avocado Day, which was pretty cool. So they shared one of the avocado recipes for my cookbook. And then I'm also going to be, she does like a weekly Instagram live episode. And so I'll be a guest on her. I don't know. I keep wanting to say webisode, but I don't know if that's the right term for it. Instasode? Yeah. Is it on the IGTV? No. So it's on her Instagram live. Oh, that's exciting. I look forward to seeing you on that. That'll be fun. Good partnership. Excluding social media, what is your favorite app? I am not an app person. I have Minesweeper on my phone is how like... like, (laughs) It was like my favorite all-time game, like originally. (laughs) Original game. (laughs) I love it. Describe your perfect day. Oh, my perfect day is to wake up leisurely around seven, have breakfast, have the kids up and happy and not complaining. And then Brad would, he, he makes breakfast on the weekends usually. So I feel like I'm kind of already describing my weekend. And then honestly, I think just a lazy weekend day is my perfect day when we don't have anything going on that we can just, the kids can go outside and play. Brad and I just cook and hang out. He'll do yard work and I mean, I guess my perfect day is just a very normal, non-busy day. What's your beverage of choice in the morning and also at night? In the morning, I make a bulletproof style kind of Whole30 latte. It's basically coffee, almond milk, ghee or coconut oil, and collagen peptides. And so I have that pretty much every morning. And then at night, I'm a sucker for a good margarita. I mean... That's that. What city has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Well, I'm embarrassed to say I actually cried when we left Maui this summer because I didn't want to go. <laughs> like a 10-year-old little kid. I was like, it's like 
a perfect vacation. You're like, no, I don't want to go. I know. I'm like, I don't want to check email. I can't do this. Someone hold my hand. What's your current Netflix addiction? Oh my gosh. We just finished season two of Ozarks. Like I love Ozarks right now. Like, but I'm sad there's, we're done. Like there's two seasons. Oh, that's it. I didn't know that. I'm like halfway through season one. I didn't know if season two was the end of it. I mean, it didn't spoil anything for me. I'm just saying like, I didn't, I didn't realize it was only two seasons. Well, so far they'll have season three next year, but like, we're just. Oh, okay. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. We're caught. I'm sad. We're caught up. I get jealous when like, if somebody comes and tells me they're like, Oh, I've never seen game of Thrones or Vanderpump rules. I'm like, you can sit down and watch 10 seasons in a row. Like, Vayner Pump Rules. Listen, there's not a lot of shows that I know what day it airs because I could care less. But like Vayner Pump Rules, I know it's Monday night. I don't miss it. I play, like, I'm like, I want to be on Monday night. It's the best. It's my favorite guilty pleasure show ever. I know. You know what? I have have to tell you this. You're going to love this. So every October, my friend and I, like, we do this trip to LA and we always go to like Sir or whatever, like, idiots. Well, I want to ask you something about that then. Go on. And then I'm going to ask you something. This this time in like a couple of weeks when we go, we're going to Tom Tom. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be pretty incredible. I heard a couple of people like mention it. I, 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 do you know Jeff Lewis? Do you follow him oh, at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he just w- gave a big like positive feedback about visiting there. So, Oh, well, I wish Lisa Vanderpump cared about my um, review. So... <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll do an Instagram story from her from there. Okay. Well, what I want to know is when you've been, I mean, have you ever seen any of the people? Do, I mean, they don't actually wait tables anymore, do they? Or do you ever see anyone there from the show? So, oh my gosh, I have a really funny story that I can tell you. I don't know if you want to hear it or not. Let's do it. So, There's going to be other Vanderpump Rules people listening to the show. <laughs> so one time I was down there. And I was like filming something. I don't even remember, but I was down in LA by myself and it was like a Wednesday or Thursday night. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go to Sir. Like I, this was like after the show had kind of, you know, started getting popular, but I'm like, I don't have any friends with me, but I'm going to go to Sir. And so this dress I'd been wearing to tape kind of kept popping open in the boobs. So I had it. <laughs> and so I texted a, fr- a picture to my friend. I was like, oh, I was cause she was but I don't remember. I was like, Oh, I have to pin up my dress. And so then I went to Sir, and there's, I was, I just sat at the bar and the bartender was very attractive, like 20 something to want to be actor guy. And like, we we're chatting and everything. And then my friend messaged me. She, I, I like, she's like texting me. I was like, Oh, I'm at Sir. Ha ha ha. And she's like, Oh, she's like, did you, did you undo the button on your dress or something? I was like, you know it. And so I, this is so dumb. This makes me look like such a moron. So then I'm like trying to slyly like take a picture of the dress. Like I'm sitting there like trying to be sneaky because I'm like taking a picture of, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big selfie outside person or whatever. So then this sir bartender is like, oh, do you want me to take that for you? Because he thinks I'm just taking a selfie at sir. I don't know. I felt like Tim Way. I was like, Nope, nope, nope. I'm good. I was like, wow, I feel like such a Bravo, like super fan, right? (laughs) Well, it sounds like maybe you are Michelle. So you might, I mean, I know you're just going to have to own it. It's just part of life. I know. Right. Okay. That's funny. That was a little Bravo detour, but worth having. What's your favorite beauty product found in your bag at all times? It's the Miraculous Face Cream from Fatco because 
my skin is very combination. It gets dry, it gets very oily sometimes, but I put that on and it just, it feels so good at the end of the day. I just, that's my favorite. Who would you love to have a cup of coffee with? You know, honestly, I think I would probably pick Melissa right now because I've never, me and her have just never sat down to like hang out. It's always it, like we have a great business relationship, but I think us like sitting down just with coffee and just being like, so how's your decaf? would be great. Do you live by a motto? No, not really. I think that I just try to be as realistic as possible, but also, but I guess part of me is really very unrealistic. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to have a cookbook. I've never even done any of this, but I think just go for it. Who's your celebrity crush? Chris Pratt or Adam Levine. It's a tie. Either one's fine. What song do you currently have on repeat? You know, I, I don't think it's on my repeat. It's on my kids' repeat, The Middle, by Zen and Marin Morris. They want it on the, all the time. What meal would you choose as your last meal? Costco pizza, because I can't have gluten, but I really love their pizza. So I would just, if I knew it was going to be my last meal, I don't care if I get sick, Costco pizza. <laughs> Who's your girl crush? I'm going to pick Kristen from Living Loving Paleo, but I feel like that's cheating because she's my friend and I get to see her all the time. But I really (laughs) just love her so much. What's the best gift you've ever received? Oh, that's easy. So my friend at my cookbook launch party made me an album. And inside the album is all of my favorite celebrities photoshopped with my book. So it looks like, like Oprah's in there, Andy Cohen's in there, Chris Bratz. That is so cool. That's thoughtful. It is. And that's why I think that's, it's the best one I've ever, and, and the people she picked in it was just so thoughtful and she knows my sense of humor. And it was, that is probably the best gift I will ever receive. Okay. So what's the best gift you've ever given? Well, I did get my roommate in my twenties, her last birthday this summer, I got her a giant goblet that said pimp on it. So... <laughs> Okay, like your sense of humor is really showing through with this because I mean, lots of people have different answers to this type of question, but they're like, oh, you know, something really like thoughtful or something that's just really meant a lot. You're like, you know, this pimp wine glass is like the best. I love it. (laughs) We used to have one in our old apartment, like, I mean, 10 years ago, however long ago, and it broke. And so this year I I got her a replacement (laughs) 10 years ago. Oh, that's funny. What's the last thing you Googled? I think, you know what it was? I think it was my own recipe because I was inputting a link to it in my new blog post. So it was banana egg muffins. Okay, we have one last question for you. What's the greatest life advice you've ever received? Oh, man. I don't think it was one piece of advice, but it was this book by Anita Morjani that she wrote after she had a near death experience. And she kind of wrote this book about all the things that she had learned and she had struggled her life finding her purpose. And I was at a point where I was really struggling to kind of find my purpose. She said, when you stop struggling to find it and you just kind of quiet yourself and give yourself the grace to kind of find that space, it'll come. And that was literally like a month before I was like, I'm going to start my food blog. And so it was like, once I kind of was able to clear that and stop, dwelling on what is my purpose and kind of let the answers come. That was something that has obviously changed my life. 
Mm, I absolutely love that. Okay, so Michelle, this is it. This wraps up the show. Just want to thank you for coming on today. Tell us where do we find you online and give us the name of your cookbook. We all know it, but just tell us anyway and your social media handle, all that good stuff. Perfect. So the cookbook is The Whole Smith Good Food Cookbook and you can find that anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. And my social media handle is at The Whole Smiths and that's Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. All of it is at The Whole Smith. Okay. Thank you for coming on, talking to us and letting us get to know you a little bit. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Okay. Well, take care. Bye. Bye. Okay. So time for a little host to host chat. So Jade, let's talk a little chef's table on Netflix because I know we're both loving it. I'm so obsessed with this show. Like, first of all, If you're listening to this and you have not heard of or have watched the series Chef's Table, it's on Netflix, you are seriously missing out. It's, I mean, right, Tedder? Like, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if you love food, if you like watching any shows about food at all, it just has to go to the top of your list. Start back from season one and just come forward. Yes. I mean, Massimo in season one with the cheese, like, oh, I'll never forget Massimo. Massimo Bottura. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, they really just dig into the person. Like, every episode is about a specific chef. Many of them are international. And they just dig into that person's, like, style and life and what's made them sort of the food genius that they are today. And And the production value of the show, the music and the production value, it's so, so good. Yeah, it's amazing. Must watch for all of you. Yes, absolute must watch. So we want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and on social media at wegettoknow. Head over to Instagram. We would love to hear from you and get your opinions on guest and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite influencers and bloggers. Hello, Tedra. Oh, hello, Jane. So today we're chatting with Michelle Smith. She's the creator and the popular blog, The Whole Smith. <laughs> stop. stop. <laughs> what? My accent's not good? It actually is not good. Okay, so time for a little chat to chat. Actually, no. <laughs> host to host. <laughs> hey, Tedra. Hey, Jane. So today we're chatting. Oh, with my gosh. What's up with the long pause? Hey, Tedra. Hey, Jane. Wait, I screwed up. I had to pause because Ollie started like whining. Like, is this a joke right now?